Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. I've got a familiar guest on the show. This is his third time coming back. He is crazy enough to keep coming on. And this is a guy who who wears a lot of different hats. This conversation could go in a lot of different directions because he's just got his hand in so many different things. He's the owner of Over Easy, Dandelion Pop-Up, the Flatiron Building, which operates brunches now, B&G Tasty Foods, and some other new things that we're going to talk about today. Nick Bartholomew, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fantastic now that you're here. Oh, that's sweet. Yes, yes, it is. So (laughs) I I just have to start off the podcast. You are just the man with a million plans. I feel like every time I talk to you, you've got something else in the fire. You're constantly experimenting, constantly looking for something new. Is there ever an idea that you say no to, or is it always, heck, let's, let's, let's explore it. Yeah, that's a good, uh, it's restlessness. Really, I think is what it boils down to. But um, yeah, you know, I think that Omaha really is an awesome place to live. It's an awesome place to be in this business. And, you know, we're blessed to be uh, on the forefront of some of those things. And people call us for cool ideas. So we're happy to collaborate and hopefully make it, you know, a better place. Mm -hmm. And I I love that you're always pushing. Um, I, I think that that's fun. And obviously, you know, we've seen some innovative things come out of just experiments that maybe Omaha hasn't seen before. Omaha never had anything like dandelion. Like that, that was completely new. That's something that you generated. How did you adopt that mindset to just constantly be pushing forward? Because I think there are a lot of restaurateurs who can open one restaurant. Like you started with over easy. They would open over easy. That's a very successful breakfast brunch restaurant. And they would say, I'm good. That, that's a stable restaurant. People love it. It's a great part of the community. I'm good with that. That's not you. You're constantly pushing. How did you adopt that mindset? You know, I think that it's just, let's start with travel. You know, I think that traveling to other places and seeing what other people were doing and kind of what other cities were liking is really a big part of that. I think that seeing it in action seeing the excitement that other things like that can create that Omaha may or may not have is definitely where that starts. I think that seeing things in Chicago, like Royster, great restaurants like Giant, what they do and what excitement it draws and how they kind of just rotate and flow keeps me hungry. It keeps me on something that just kind of is like, well, I'd like to go do that on a Friday night with my wife so if I have to make it with a couple of guys who have, you know, some like-mindedness, I love that. 
And I think it's what makes it great, you know, and I want to, you know, say that that's what's happened with the flat iron in this case, you know, those guys invited me in to help that space become something again and, and help Omaha not forget it. And so I'm thankful to be a part of, you know, those guys and, and, and their ideal. So you brought it up. Let's, let's touch on flat iron first, just kind of, okay. Just to provide a little context, a little bit of background, obviously the flat iron, very famous hotel and, and restaurant in downtown Omaha. Unfortunately, the restaurant um, was kind of taken out by, by COVID um, as so many great places, uh, memorable, memorable places were. But you got the opportunity to kind of work in that space now and you've really embraced that and you've started doing a series of, of brunch pop-ups every mm-hmm. week where you're inviting in different chefs to kind of test out what they're doing. Very similar to the dandelion concept, but in a much... Well, a, a sit-down space, which is not what Dandelion is. How did the opportunity to, to work with the Flatiron Building come to be? Those uh, gentlemen um, who are operating the Flatiron Building and its parts, which right now is a condo regime, um, uh, really didn't want to see a beautiful space who had the proper permitting in place, who had a beautiful, you know, um, area to operate out of near the Magnolia Hotel, near the old market, near the Orpheum Theater, most importantly. Um, And, you know, a clientele that really was used to being in that space or that area for food, something that was a little better than average, most times a lot better than average. Um, And so they called and said, hey, is there a way that Dandelion can activate this space? Um, And, you know, obviously there was, and we want that. And, you know, at that time we were doing other projects and I said no first. So just to let the record show. So you have said no at least once. I tried it. I tried it out. (laughs) And it didn't work. And so, I mean, you just sit on though. I mean, after you say no to that kind of thing, right, because you're busy or you have something else going on, what do you do in the shower? What do you do when you're sitting there idle? You know what I mean? You think about, well, what could I have done with the flat iron if that were to ever be something that happened, you know? And so it's never easy, you know, because calling chefs right now, Dan, I can tell you is no small feat in saying, Hey, I got this idea. Do you want to take up root wherever it is you're comfortable right now with little or no staff? Yeah. Everybody's understaffed and come on over another day and do an extra day where you might not have to. And, you know, do something else. It's, it's, it's a different argument than it was five years ago when Dandelion opened, but in the Flatirons case, there was such a cool stigma. There was such cool memories there that I think that in the end, um, it's what's drawn them in new chefs. Um, and in this case, it's been a lot of startups, which we think is fabulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, where else better to give them an, a, an equal shot, an equal opportunity. And so I think that that's been great. And that's something that I actually wanted to ask you about because the lineup at the Flatiron really has been a lot of up-and-coming chefs and restaurants and pop-ups as opposed to at Dandelion, you know, every week you might see a Jenny Coco, a, a Ben Maids, a Glenn Wheeler, you know, these these culinary icons of Omaha, mm-hmm. where at um, at the Flatiron, it's been, it's been like Cake Creations. It's been the Old Market Biscuit Company. It's been Wonton John's. It's been All in Time. It's been places like that. Was that intentional to kind of use the flat iron as more of a proving ground or an opportunity for some of these up and comers, or did that just kind of happen organically due to, you know, staffing issues and things like you mentioned both. Yeah. You know, I mean, in this case, it was something that in Daniel Lyons sense, 
we'll start I'll start scheduling next year's dandelion probably in January right so we'll see the 2022 lineup in January here um, start to take effect after new year on the way to Groundhog's Day <laughs> right and so I have plenty of time I can call chefs from Des Moines I can call these you know these people to go um, on certain dates that they feel comfortable with um, with flat iron it kind of fell in my lap in June when I said no uh, and by July, I was infected with the thought of it. You know what I mean? And so that was something that ended up being, hey, would you do this? And so in that case, it was the startups that were available. And in lots of cases, it still is. But it's been like last weekend uh, or two weekends ago was Eat from Dodge, Nebraska. And Chef Michael Glissman <laughs> did more work than I did. He comes in, I mean, most of those chefs do, obviously, but he came in linens on every table, huge brunch spread, 10 menu items, right? And did the biggest brunch we had have done to this point. And he had servers that knew their menu inside and out. He had an expectation level. They brought a full, you know, um, a full staff of kitchen and dining room people to take control of it. A host was his sister, you know? And so, I mean, in these cases, these chefs are so qualified, and the stuff that we are so lucky to get at the Flatiron is what we hope to do now moving forward. So if there's others, I mean, I, I don't want to break, uh, you know, the news on here because it's none of my business, but it looks like the Flatiron has a lease now. So we hope, and that was the hope when I was hired to help the Flatiron to now make it viable. So now the Flatiron was remembered as something else. Chefs were coming through here. They were being able to use the kitchen. They were being able to offer the, you know, the, the community what they do. But now they have a lease from one of those people. And there's no hints there. But you'll know them and love them. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm saying is if that all goes the way it goes, we're ready for the next space like that. And I think that's what makes Dandelion great is if there's a space like the Flatiron that's iconic and usable in Omaha, Dandelion can activate it find a tenant for help find a tenant for it and get it back in the mainstream. Beautiful. Beautiful. So the, the thing that I, you, like I said, you have your hands in so many different things. There's so many different directions. This conversation is going to go in, but there's one that I really wanted to talk to you about today, because when you told me about this idea immediately, I was like, that's so cool. And that is how you are partnering with the Sienna Francis house, which is, a shelter in downtown Omaha that aids and empowers individuals experiencing homelessness, helps them get back on their feet, feeds them warm meals, which is where you come in. Can you just kind of tell me a little bit about that effort and that partnership? Yeah. Um, first of all, you know, I think that this is one of the most important, you know, issues today is homelessness and how um, people can be helped and brought back in to help and start it over again. You know what I mean? With the opportunities that, you know, uh, we as Omahans can make easier to them. Um, I was reached out to by a gentleman named Chris Knopf. Uh, he's one of the heads over there at the Sienna Francis house. He's a really great guy, really um, energetic guy, really thoughtful guy. Um, and he reached out and said, right now at the Sienna Francis house, they're feeding 435 people three meals a day. So every meal, 435 people, men, women, children, whatever, line up to get their meal service, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, okay? And so that number raises when it gets cold. You know, there's certain, you know, areas where that's affected more. 
And so the Sienna Francis house feeds, you know, a great deal of these guests and make sure they have warm meals and things in their stomach. So they also have volunteers and a kitchen staff that is phenomenal people that put out huge amounts of food, right? Just huge amounts of food that you wouldn't believe at a time. And sometimes that food is quicker than they'd like it to be, right? It's not as thoughtful. It's not something that someone really gave a darn about and put their effort into and chopped chives and onions and sauteed garlic or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's really not going in that direction. And that might even be too far. But Chris and I started talking about what we could do to make that food better, what we could do to make those offerings something that was more palatable, right, than just sloppy nutrition right there's nutrition involved there's presentation involved there's something there right there's something more that could be given there and so chris i give him full credit came up with the idea of could i find chefs that would do dandelion like we do at dandelion like we do at the flat iron wherever and bring those chefs in see the inventory of what's going on at the santa francis house they have so much great product they have so many great people they have a beautiful humongous kitchen that you wouldn't believe that you'd be proud of, you know, and they just are underutilizing some of those things. There's mixers, there's Cuisinarts, you know, there's things that people need to do, but those items aren't being used because some people don't have the depth of food um, knowledge, knowledge. Thank you. You know, to, to get that done. So, you know, without naming names yet and giving away the surprise, we have now 17 chefs that you wow. know and love from Omaha, Nebraska, of all shapes and sizes, discourses and otherwise, signed up to come in on a Wednesday. They come in. So tomorrow we have a chef coming in around 1045. They do a walkthrough. They meet everyone. They shake hands. Everybody's, you know, gets, gets the lay of the land. They show what their, you, you know, the ability and the availabilities are. That chef then goes home and creates a meal that they can execute and comes back the following Monday and teaches class. So she gets the staff together, says, grab those things, grab these things. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what needs prepped. Here's what needs to go in the oven now. And they put together a meal for 435 people that's above average. So, so far, we've seen some amazing fried chicken, soupy beans, and vegetables. Uh, the next meal has been a braised bisque, or brisket roast with vegetables and noodles. And so I can't wait to see what this week's is. This week's is supposed to be a Cuban food. So now these people that are guests at the Sienna Francis house of any shape, size, you know, energy level, whatever can come in. And these meals now are in the repertoire of these kitchen individuals. And so these types of meals can be put out on a daily basis. And we're going to continue this effort with more chefs after this first 17s through, um, you know, and that'll get us through Christmas a little after Christmas. And we're going to put a cookbook together with all the pictures of the chefs and the recipes and the people involved um, we're going to sell that cookbook, um, and then the proceeds of the sales will go back to the Sienna Francis house. So have any of the meals been served to people yet? Oh, yes, wow. absolutely. It, did, were you able to be there, or did, yes. did you get any stories from of the course. response? Yes, and it's going to be all in the cookbook. It's a beautiful layout. Um, Mark Swanson's co-producing that with me. Uh, he's a awesome photographer here in town. He's been able to you know talk. We've gotten copy from individuals. Um, the food has gone out. We have pictures of the chefs with the food. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I mean, it's called dining with dignity and that's another, uh, Chris Knopf, uh, 
<laughs> production, but um, it's just really about changing the way people can feel about themselves through food maybe. And so now all of a sudden you have a good meal in your stomach that isn't slopped. You weren't standing in line, you know, in the cold for something that isn't terrible rations. It's something that's better. It's this really good fried chicken. It's like the soupy beans. It's, you know, a braised roast beef, you know what I mean? And these kinds of things, maybe you go out there and do something better for someone that next day because you feel better about you and we don't know what we can create from it, but food can be loved just as much as anything. What? reactions did you see from the people who were served? Because obviously this is an entirely different level of cuisine than they're used to experiencing. They told us when it was too salty. (laughs) They told us when it wasn't salty enough. Um, But the best part about that is they react just like you and I do, right? They don't Yelp. They didn't, we didn't get any Yelp reviews yet. Oh, that's good. Um, But they react, you know, they tell you what's great, but the end result is, is they loved it. And they couldn't believe that this was happening. And they really, you know, there was smiles. And there was people that appreciated it. And you can see that now if that momentum's built, this fried chicken meal with soupy beans and vegetables might not sound like much. But I can tell you on November 23rd, if you're walking through that line and you have this meal that's warm and comforting and better than, you know, what was being served prior to this November 23rd, um, you know, I think that that's really the point. And I think that this chef's effort and the people that, live in, you know, work in Omaha. It's a testament to them and what dandelion can be and what we can all produce together. And, you know, if one of these people, one of the guests at the Sienna Francis house gets motivated by this and becomes the next great chef in Omaha and we created it through some fried chicken, then here we are. Well, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask about was the staff. And because a lot of times, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn, I, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like, and from what I've experienced from volunteering, a lot of the staffs at places that, that serve um, food to the homeless are usually either volunteers or they may be people who have some experience in the food industry, but they're not, you know, usually going to culinary school or things along those lines. Mm-hmm. And now these people are getting to learn from tenured, experienced, well-respected chefs, I would imagine that's a pretty big blessing for them too, right? And the reaction's been so awesome, right? Because they have, you know, for example, when I we were there one day, they got donated um, a pound of, uh, or excuse me, a bag of 50-pound rice, right? So those, that's those staff members, Portia, Bo, the nice people down there are, were overwhelmed by that donation because they said, you know, what are we going to do with all this rice? You know, what are we going to use it for? Well, Jenny Coco, oops. There it is. I knew we would get one out of you. Okay. Chef Jenny said, well, here's what we can do. We can cook all that rice off at once. We'll cool it properly, bring it to temp. And that rice one day can be used for curry. And we can make an awesome braised chicken curry dish with that. The next day we can use it in a gumbo. And so then the next day we can turn it into the fried rice. And so it's all prepped food. And so they didn't know that there's the middle stage of the prepping from raw to to finish that can be a number of different items, almost like a a great cafeteria, if you will, because that's what we're really in essence creating. And so when those light bulbs come on and they can start to see what this food can be in four or three different ways, instead of just, oh my gosh, being overwhelmed by it, it's going to be it's going to be something because giving them those skill sets are invaluable. What has been the response as you've reached out to 
chefs from around the city and brought this idea to them. Nick, why are you calling me again? <laughs> Dandelion season's <laughs> over. <laughs> we usually don't call till January. No, it's been awesome, right? Because here's in Chef Jenny's case, especially, and that's the only one I'm going to let slip. Um, in Chef Jenny's case, especially, she was, I mean, overjoyed. She really, you know, ended up sending a text message and a phone call to me afterwards and saying, you know, I may give you a hard time, but thanks for getting us into this. Yeah. And that, that right there is something you, I mean, you know, that's built into this. You know what I mean? Nobody does it for that, but just the what ifs is kind of what I'm all about, which is, is the best part of this. What if it creates something better than what we set out to do, you know? And that's kind of where I think we all feel good about the opportunity that, that the Sienna Francis house invited us into. Mm -hmm. And I want to just point out something that you mentioned to me, I think off the mics, um, in that this cookbook for sale, when it does come out, whenever that is mm -hmm. that, uh, part of the proceeds are going to go, is it back to the Sienna Francis house itself? Yes. Okay. So, you know, we're going to take care of the, the photographers and the copywriters and we have to pay for the books to be created. Um, and so those costs are built in, but whatever sales, that we make from a cookbook of, you know, these recipes that these chefs came up with, which are excellent family home style recipes. Um, and you wouldn't believe the product that comes through there. And it's excellent product that these chefs get to use. You know, I mean, it's top quality food that was either going to, you know, turn or needed to be frozen or they didn't have space for. So, I mean, it's, it's really excellent, excellent food that these chefs and excellent product that these chefs are getting to work with so much so that, you know, there's organic stuff there there's tons of excellent um nutritious elements to it but uh yeah all the proceeds for the book and it'll all be in there we'll go back to the sienna francis house to use hopefully to forward this effort you know and and, and get the food part of the sienna francis house experience down so that people feel good about it people have you know a good experience and i would like to believe that an effort like this is also just going to help the general public just have the realization that needs like this exist um, I know that for myself, I, I think it was last month, um, our, our church went down and we volunteered at the open door mission. And there's just, when you're not, when you don't see these needs all the time, you just, you don't even know, like we, we kind of live in our little bubble sometimes and, and don't think about everything that's going on around us and what other people are going through. And I think maybe just having that, that recognition that this need exists and that, there are opportunities to help other people. I think this is an effort. This Dining for Dignity kind of shines a light on that and, you know, maybe opens opportunities up to other people to come and help. Absolutely. And that's what the goal is, right? Is what if you have so, I mean, everybody's having trouble finding help right now. And, you know, if you're a restaurant that's out there trying to find help, you know, we all feel with, we all feel for you. We're all in this together. So if there's any way Dandelion can help you, um, find a staff member or find someone that can help you, please reach out because we do know how hard it is. We've had a number of cancellations at Dandelion even this year. So um, we're riding right there with you. Um, but ideally, this Dining for Dignity hopefully turns people on to what can be. And if we find uh, help along the way from anybody, everybody, in whatever way they can, that that's just going to promote this further and make it more than the 17 weeks or however long we go. If you wouldn't mind, can you shine a light as a restaurateur a little bit on the staffing issue just with the hospitality industry in general right now? Because I think 
there are a lot of misconceptions about why restaurants are having trouble with staffing. And I know that I have some myself and I've talked to cooks in restaurants and chefs and they've been like, no, actually it's not that it's this. So can, from your point of view, can you maybe shine a light on why this is a problem right now? Yeah. Um, and it's not always the prettiest thing to hear, you know, but I think that, um, being on both sides of the line, you know, just, um, has helped me kind of envelop this opinion and it's mine and take it for what it's worth. But I feel that, um, restaurant employees on both sides of the line, uh, and that is the line cooking line, you know, front of the house employees and back of the house employees are dehumanized in a way and not treated, um, like other employees in other industries. I think that the lack of wage is definitely a start, but the lack of insurance opportunities, the lack of help, um, you know, with um, day-to-day living expenses and having a living wage for any and all employees uh, and really dictating, you know, not a national standard on someone or some um, position is vital. I think where it all starts is treating these people like professionals um, and starting at the root cause of why people would want to leave a business. Now, I know there's shortages all over the country, but I also know that mental health is the most important thing for all of us right now. And I think that that um, needs to be a key role in everyone's life. You need to take time for mental health, whether it's a walk through the woods or a time with a therapist. There's no shame in any of that right now. And restaurant industries produce long hours, which produces toxic lifestyles. And there's no help for those lifestyles because there's no insurances and there's no living wage. And so it's something that has to be addressed. It's, ha- it's something that has to be brought back um, to the restaurant business if we expect to keep and create um, good individuals that can push us all forward and continue to make Omaha the great food city that it is. Because one thing I love about this town is it's something that once we all get together, it's something. And we can make a change just in our own bubble here that could go nationwide. And, I mean, in this case, it's got to start with the people who work 90-hour weeks in some cases. Why don't they deserve to be taken care of, in, you know, at the, at the health insurance for their families and their loved ones or 401Ks and retirements or business ownerships in the, in the restaurants that they, you know, that they love and help, help create? So... Um, that's just my opinion again. I think that that's a heck of a place to start, though, and I think that drawing any good uh, people who have the love for this deserve to be treated with love. Mm-hmm. And and that opinion runs similar to others that I've heard, and just that I think, especially during the pandemic, when some people were furloughed or maybe you know temporarily they, they had their hours reduced or something, they found other jobs or they experienced other industries and they, they got a higher pay and they didn't have to work 90 hours a week. And they were like, this is a more stable lifestyle. And they chose to pursue that even once, you know, restaurant jobs and more hours open back up. And I, I do think that while this is causing an incredibly tough period for restaurants right now, I think like you mentioned, it might lead to better overall change in which these awesome, very talented people are treated more like they should be. And and there are, to be very clear, like, you know, we're talking about a huge industry here. There are a lot of restaurants that 
pay their employees great, that treat their employees great, that people want to go back to and work at. But overall, I would I would agree with you just from my experiences, from what I've heard from the people I've talked to. Yeah, there probably does need to be a lot of improvements in that area. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, um, pro- promoting local business and eating at, you know, at a local breakfast restaurant, lunch restaurant, dinner restaurant versus going to the major chains and nothing against major chains, but, you know, that we, we'd rather have that money here because if that money stays here, then those restaurants can do things like Dandelion. They can do things like Taste of Omaha. They can do things that are in your community that bring that food closer to you and tie it to an event and a good memory. And instead of having, you know, Apple Barrel there because, you know, you're spending that breakfast dollar, you know, somewhere else that isn't helping, you know, Taste of Omaha grow and be awesome, the awesome event that it can be, you know, those kinds of things and, you know, cause dandelion cancellations because those chefs need to be in the restaurant and making sure that their first dollar is taken care of first. And so then on those lines, um, employees are hard to find and events are the first thing to go. So, I mean, the local dollar will always be the most important thing. And I think that, you know, for the most part, restaurant owners and chefs in Omaha have their finger on the local pulse when it's a local place. So they do know what you want, or you can reach out to them at at events like Dandelion and say, hey, chef, I love that lamb dish. You know, when are you going to bring it back? Whatever it is, I think that that part of what Omaha uh, brings to the table has been super cool. And, you know, chefs like uh, Joe Tripp from Harbinger Des Moines got a taste of that last weekend. Um, at Dandelion. And so Omaha likes out-of-town chefs. They want to see uh, what's going on outside our city. They will support it. And I think we're a rockingly unique community. Mm-hmm. I like how you, you brought it back positive there. We, we kind of dipped in our, in our energy a little bit, and then you just brought <laughs> it back up. And that is one of the reasons why I love talking to you, Nick. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. I love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats, cheeses, and vegetables arrive from. It gives me confidence that I'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand. The same goes for beef, and that's one of the main reasons why I love certified Piedmontese. Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. All certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics, and it's 100% source verified by where food comes from incorporated. And when you buy certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on Piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. So I, I feel like, you know, we, we should talk about another positive thing. That's B&G Tasty Foods. That is the home of the famous loose meat sandwich. Unfortunately, that restaurant closed about a year and a half ago, maybe yep. two years ago now. Yeah, almost. But you were able to purchase the recipe to this, and you've had this, and you've unleashed it a couple different times at at Dandelion or at Taste of Omaha, but are still working on finding that permanent home for it. Just kind of, how, how did the opportunity arise to to purchase this this famous beloved recipe, and um, what made you think that that was a logical next move for you? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think that I love creating concepts. You know, I love creating Over Easy, which celebrates its eighth 
birthday this week. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And, you know, Dandelion and the Market House weren't far behind that. And so I love that. I'll always have a part of me that's wanting to be, you know, the creative um, the creative spark that restaurants can be. But um, in B&G's case, there's the traditional already tried and true, doesn't need fixing type kinds of places that maybe just need a little bit more spark, right? That just need a little bit more like focus. Someone, you know, may have just lost the love or, you know, one thing or another goes wrong in restaurants, it can really change everything. And so uh, in this case, the gentleman who owned B&G had just decided that plaza wasn't working for him. You know, they needed more access and that he was going to go a different way um, with his business life and create a new life. And it wasn't going to be involving food because he wanted more time uh, with his family and more money, which, you know, like we just discussed, that's, that's part of the thing. And so this, in this case, um, was what drove him on. And I just think that B&G has to be a part of our culture. I just think it, B&G should be sold at Nebraska games. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of those things that to me, when you, when you see a Valentino's pizza or you see a Runza, you should see a B and G with Nebraska beef in it at a Husker game. And when everybody from out of town wonders what a B and G is just like they do with a Runza, we don't tell them, you know, they have to find out for themselves. (laughs) Yeah. You just say, yeah, you got to try it. If you know, you know, you know? And so in those cases, those, that's the answer to B and G. It is something traditional. It is something we can hand down to our kids. That's has value. You know what I mean? That has tradition to it, that has, um, you know, just great memories attached to it with your loved ones and the people that you, you used to sit down and love those sandwiches with. Those things came with B&G. So it was a no brainer in this case to uh, find a way to reignite what was there. And if we find cool ways to, you know, do it, the original is always going to be the way we do it. But what does B&G look like in 2022 and beyond is really kind of what we've been looking at. And so uh, we put in a ton of offers. You know, there was um, a Salsaritas on 72nd that's now Pepper Jacks. We put an offer there. Uh, the KFC on 132nd and Center that's now uh, Pepper Jacks. <laughs> we we <laughs> Man, put an offer in there. the world, Pepper Jacks. Right, and so don't eat it. Pepper. No, I'm just kidding. And so, uh, I mean, those we're, we're out there. We're, we're putting in an offer. We've put in a new offer, and I don't want to tell you where it is because what if Pepper Jacks jumps on it? You know what I mean? Like, and so You're killing all my Pepper Jacks sponsorship opportunities <laughs> here. We're never going to get it now. I, listen, it's okay. There's places like um, David Lasolamio that sell a great Italian beef sandwich as opposed to a Philly. Go there. There we go. Right. No, I would agree with that 1,000%. Yeah, go to Virtuoso Pizzeria and right. get the Italian beef. Right. That's Anyway, better. I'm taking us off off track here back to bng yeah so i mean i think that that's really why um the purchase of bng was something that needed to be done i think that when we find the right fit that you know someone else um you know doesn't see the the love for we're going to put it there and i think that that's really kind of what's going to be cool about bng is i think that we're going to offer a drive-through that's something that's been important to us as you can tell by the two offers we had put in prior um a drive-through we like it at over easy um but I think that that's something that B&G never had. And I think that, you know, being able to order 20 B&Gs and 10 French fries and, you know, milkshakes. We did uh, Nutter Butter peanut butter milkshakes Whoa. at the Overeasy um, B&G pop-up. Uh-huh. Did you see that menu? I did. Yeah. So those we were sticking, like, you know, the Nutter Butter cookies yeah. in the milkshakes. And you could get an adult milkshake um, with screwball peanut butter whiskey in it or not. And so it was a pretty fun day. And we, I mean... 
we had an 11 person line up in the drive through in West Omaha. So we know that the wants there and we want it back too. And so we promise to keep it relevant. I think this is a really interesting opportunity to talk to you about just that process of finding the location. Because I remember when you, when you first bought the recipe Everyone was so excited because it was like, oh, somebody bought B&G. They're going to resurrect it. It's going to be back. Like, we've missed it so much. And then, you know, we didn't hear anything for a while because you've been you've been looking for a location. I've seen some people online start to be like, man, where is this thing? Right. What's going on? It's like he's not doing anything. And I very much know, knowing you, that is not the case. So can you just kind of pull back the curtain and help us understand why this is not as easy as, oh, I bought the recipe now I buy a building, I move in, and I'm selling it it's six selling. months later. Yeah, so, you know, I think that access is really everything. And what we've been trying to do is not alienate a, a customer base. But as you can see, we'd like to be near 72nd through 90th, right, somewhere in that corridor um, close to Dodge where the original B&G has always been known and loved. And so that's really been our focus in the first year. We were looking at that area. We looked at Crossroads, right? We looked at that Salsaritas. We've looked at that Pier 1. There's a bunch of stuff around there, and then all of a sudden you send in, you know, um, an architect to see what can be done and what the costs are going to be associated to put in a drive-thru if it doesn't have one or, or whatever, and then all of a sudden you find out if it's feasible or not. So then we kind of expanded our bandwidth and our search area, and then we were thinking about West Omaha, you know, 132nd and West Center because it had a KFC that had a drive-thru. So that was our focus, right? And so, um, you know, and like in the meantime, you want to find, you want to build a concept that makes it relevant. So here's an example. An example is, is I'll obviously have B&Gs. We'll obviously have cheese B&Gs and we'll obviously have French fries, onion rings and all the great, you know, cheese Frenchies that B&G had. But what makes it cooler? You know what I mean? How do you get it on Dan Hoppins podcast? How do you get it a picture on Instagram with a thousand likes that you can make B&G something new? And so in this case, can you do a Big Mac B&G as your special this week and try wherever there was a, a, a burger patty? Now you're doing a B&G loose meat fill in for it. And so you're creating this next generation of B&G lovers. So it stays relevant instead of feeling like your grandma and grandpa's sandwich. And so those kinds of things are playing into all of it um, and the readiness. But we also looked at uh, the Boston Market on 114th and Dodge. You know, and now that Dairy Queen on the other side of the street is available, but there's limitations to the construction and stuff. So, um, you know, we're totally confident that what we have is something that stands the test of time. So um, thank you for being patient, all our loyal B&Gers. And I do know that, you know, our mind and focus is there. Um, as you can tell, because we haven't really opened anything else in the meantime. So it's, it's definitely been on the forefront and those locations have been something we've been asking uh, real estate agents across the city to call us if you can find one. Mm -hmm. and, and this is one of those cases where the wait is worth it. You would rather find the right space than rush into a space and find out this kitchen does not suit this style of cooking sure. or this community that is around this space that there we purchased is. is not going to respond as well or it maybe it's not ready for this concept as opposed to this one in another part of town so there's just there's so many considerations where it's really easy to just say okay just just open it i want my loose meat sandwich, sandwich yeah. but there's a lot more that goes well into we it. hope that if again if there's a place that we could pop up you know that someone knows or there's a restaurant that's closed in the evening like we did it you know when we did the over easy pop-up for b and g 
over easy closed it too that day. So obviously we can go from two o'clock until 10 o'clock at night or however late people want to eat B and G. And again, the turnout was phenomenal, better than we had expected to be honest with you. Um, and so we know it would, it would really kind of hold up anywhere, but we'll do pop-ups and we're ready to go in the meantime. If, but again, any help that your real estate friends or your neighbors can give us uh, to find in a cool space, we'll take all those phone calls because we want it back just as bad as you do. Awesome. And we will definitely be pumping that on social media. Whenever news is announced, we're going to announce the heck out of that. Thank you so much. Because that's going to be a lot of fun. Heck yeah. Um, I can't let you out of here without talking a little bit about Dandelion Pop-Up, which for people who don't know, I don't know how you don't know about it, but it's a a pop-up restaurant down on 13th and Howard that on every Friday or almost every Friday, there's going to be lunch served by a different chef every week. They come in, they get to create their own menu, and then it's really almost kind of a community event. And And you've done a lot of Saturdays now as well as, as mm-hmm. there's been interest. So what was your fan, favorite dandelion pop-up this year? Oh, that's rough. It's like picking a kid, right? I mean, there's been funnier stories. You had three. You've worked at, how many of you worked you at? You had three that I worked at. There was like going there, that You get to choose one of those three all because right, obviously it, <laughs> it was one of those. No, yes. in, in all seriousness, I, I came down and volunteered at several of them. Which ones did you use? You saw Market House, so you got to work that day with um, Maids, Mosier, and, and Thompson. That was awesome, yeah. Chase, they yeah. actually had me cooking. That's right. What did you cook, though? The, the sausage yeah. on the, the skewers. The one for the sandwich. I got that picture of you and Chase. Griddling uh, uh-huh. sausage and uh-huh. Chase is posing, and you look super serious because I was terrified. That was the first time, like I've worked in a couple restaurants, just like volunteered and stuff over these last couple of years. But that was the first time I'd actually gotten the chance to cook and serve people. And I was like, if I don't do a good job on this, I'm going to serve somebody a raw sausage and they're going to get sick and I have to pay attention. So yeah, Chase Chase is, he's so accomplished. He can do it with his eyes closed. How hot was it that day? It was in the 90s. It was in the 90s? Yeah, it was real hot. I think I drank like seven bottles of water. But But it it was awesome. I loved it. You know what, though, I will say is the food was good, but you know what got the most compliments was your shirt. The Omaha shirt? The Omaha shirt got the most compliments that day. Shout out to Triple B Printing. Really? Which is a Lincoln, I think they're Lincoln based, but an awesome company. Seriously, people go to their website. They, and that's their design? Yeah. And you just found it like what, walking down Lincoln streets and it was in the window and you grabbed it? No, no, no. They they do pop-ups. They go to farmer market, farmer's markets a lot, but they also sell online. They've got like hundreds of shirts. Huh. Super cool. Well, so that was the, I mean, so, okay, what was the other pop-ups you did? Uh, Le Bouillon and oh, then uh, Chovy with the Royal Boy Burgers. Oh, shoot. See, now that was a great one. Because uh-huh. how fun is just a cheeseburger and french fries? And, you know, that's been the cool thing about Dandelion. I've found f- five years now, right? Like, we've been doing it in one way or another. And so that shack has been host to some pretty cool things, right? Like, really cool things. And we still got some really cool stuff. Alley Tacos come in. And then Future Food, we'll talk about that, from L.A., is our last dandelion of the year. Oh, wow. They're a food truck, and it's vegan. It's amazing. Anyway, so Chovy, the, the, where I was going with that is the cheeseburgers seem to be Omaha's a cheeseburger and french fries town. <laughs> I, You know, because at Dandelion, you want to bring cool things. Uh-huh. You want to bring something that's unique. Unique. Yeah. And so, what, did, what was Benny making with the sausage? That, or Benny, what were they making? It was then? like a sausage roll, but they also did... The potato scallion pancakes with pulled pork that day. That might be my favorite thing I've ever had at Dandelion. But yeah, you're right. 
I mean, people just see a burger, they see a big juicy burger, and that's what's going to put 45 people in line. Well, and so like it's been that experience. It's a little bit of a social experiment because for me, if a chef sends me a burger now after seeing menus for five years being on his menu, I do. I got to be honest with you. I'm like, okay, here we go. A burger again. But every single time it goes above and beyond to surprise me if the burger's done obviously well, like uh, startup or non that Nick chef, Nick Jubert that did um, fourth station mm-hmm, startup mm-hmm. like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, he tur- had a turnout like fantastic. The weather wasn't traditionally great. It was a little bit gray, but the burger was the big kahuna burger and people loved it. Some guys said it was top five and this was a startup. Yeah. And so, I mean like Chovy and doing the cheeseburgers, the, the cheeseburgers, whoever has been doing it must've been doing it right at Dandelion because that's where the turnouts have been. Um, I think this year's favorite though, whew, I mean, there's gotta be a top five, right? So it would definitely be Chovy. And then obviously you got to give Benny some props. And then the dudes from chicken heat Des Moines. Did you come to that one? Mm-mm. So that was a great one. We were frying, uh, chicken at the Collins. Oh, and, and bringing it yeah, over. I mean like ahead of time, you know, and then like keeping it warm in the warmer and like we couldn't keep up. The Collins was having lunch. <laughs> doing their own business and one of my um moms whose son i coach on the gladiators baseball team is the manager over there and so she allowed me to get into the kitchen and fry chicken for the des moines guys that day wow so that's the thing is it's the stories right um that make dandelion really cool the lines are amazing we love um having the support the support's been phenomenal this year this has definitely been a record-setting year for sales for dandelion so thank you and people like you who come out and support that on a regular basis we super appreciate it um and i know the chefs do too because they take home obviously as you know the majority of those proceeds um and then hopefully it motivates them to take my phone call next year because they made some money now i want to touch on the out-of-town aspect because you've had a couple chefs come in from des moines and then you just mentioned you've got one coming in soon from california yeah la what what was the thinking behind bringing in people from other locations and is it introducing them to Omaha? Is it introducing Omaha to other cuisines? Like, what what was the 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 thought process behind that? So you know, you want to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Really, that's the goal, no matter what. Over easy is turning eight, but we're about to do some really you know refresh and start overs. And so I think that that's what Dandelion needs to stay on the forefront of. And that's really what I like the most about this business is being the able to be versatile. You know, and being able to do different interesting things that catches people eye people people's eyes but in this case like you i'd travel it goes back to travel again and you'd see harbinger des moines do these amazing things and so you say what if you know and so then you call them or you reach out to them on instagram you know you give them a few likes to to butter them up i mean isn't that the way right right yeah (laughs) and then you just send an email and say hey this is who i am this is the concept we're in omaha nebraska I think that we don't have a lot like what you're producing. Could you come try it out? And Korean fried chicken last week, I mean, how much Korean fried chicken is running around Omaha right now? None. And so he hit a, he hit a vein, you know what I mean? And that's what I hoped. And that's what I hope you guys hope too is because if he brings something cool and it's nothing we're doing, maybe it entices him to set up shop in Omaha again. Or now all of a sudden you, when you go to Des Moines, I want you to go say what's up to the Harbinger guy and say, you know, I was at your dandelion because then he'll, he'll tell his buddy that they had a great time. And then the next chef we call from Des Moines or he introduces me to from somewhere else, 
shows up too. And that's been really awesome. Like the LA one, I just saw that they were a traveling food truck. So they do a different city every day. Oh, wow. It's a vegan traveling food truck. And their season consists of going coast to coast one city. And when they get back, it's over. That's crazy. It's awesome. Right. And yeah. that, that cool, you know, so like the combination of these ideas. And so they're in Iowa and Illinois, the days leading up to us. And so then it's on their route. I reached out to them in March to get them on our schedule. And they're like, well, we'll be coming in October. I was like, great, thanks. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, they're going to come through. And then now a vegan um, dessert truck is decided to travel behind this vegan oh, food truck. Okay. And so they called and asked permission if they could do that dandelion that day. And so Vulture, V, uh, like Vulture, uh, and then U-T-U-R-E, Vulture, yeah. Future with a yeah. V, um, is the name of it. And they're really awesome. And the food looks superb. And so I hope that, you know, Dandelion promotes that is really where it goes is I think that we're on, I'm trying to get chef Jason Vincent from Chicago, uh, giant here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we want to put some new, um, spins on what you've seen, but those guys from out of town really kind of, I don't know. They don't want to, they don't want to look bad. Right. So sure, yeah, they, they put on a good show. Totally. And so they were, uh, this most recent years, this, the Des Moines guys really did a great job. And so, um, I hope to continue that effort and get some Kansas City guys here, get some Chicago guys here. Uh, we'll see what Dandelion can do. Oh, that's definitely something to look forward to. And, and that's what I love talking to you about, Nick, is that I feel like every time I do, I have things to look forward to. I have a new restaurant in the Flatiron Building. I have this really cool cookbook coming out uh, from the Sienna Francis House Dinners. I've got B&G coming like all this different stuff there's just so much excitement right now and i love it and i thank you so much for taking the time to come on today the thing that you don't know people i didn't know this before a couple minutes that today is nick's wife's birthday <laughs> and he just had a child last week and he's coming on this silly little podcast to talk about food this guy is awesome nick thank you so much for coming on the show again today yeah man we have a great time thank you for uh, promoting good food stuff and good food practices and like i said if anybody's you know, needing some work or needing some help out there because they're short staff, please reach out to Dandelion because we have been lucky enough to have people approach us and say, Hey, you know, I can pick up some hours here or I can pick up some hours there. So, um, any way we can help just like you, we want to. Amazing. Love it. Thank you, Nick and Omaha as always. Thanks for eating with us. A Media Production.